Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. And we are live. Welcome to The Last Word. Today we are going live a little bit earlier in the afternoon, since Lord Cognito is too fancy for the campfire today. He's got better podcasts to be on than this one but actually i think it's the fact that he's on two podcasts today and he's trying not to be on a third to save his voice so we will get him back next week but he had xbox obligations and defining duke and iron lord's podcast and unfortunately as we are third in line we have to take a break from the cognito this week which is funny because i don't know what they could possibly be talking about for all those hours (laughs) given that well defining duke will be their normal show but yeah the the part about the Big Xbox business podcast today will likely be very short, even though they can probably stretch it into something. Wow, it sounds like they're doing regular business stuff that maybe people shouldn't lose their minds over. It's crazy. I didn't throw my Xbox in the trash, and I feel like I missed out on the hype train. Now I've got to hold on to my Xbox. I made a mistake. (laughs) Uh, How you doing, Travis? I'm doing good, man. Busy, but in a good way. Just the way I like to be. Yeah, I've been. I don't. I I get a little more sleep than you probably, but uh, I've been busy as well. Little little Valentine's yesterday, but our Valentine's dinner is tomorrow. But in between this whole week is trying to play as many games as I can, kind of like you. So you know, I can aspire. I won't. I won't be quite as good at Travis at the, you know, goblin mode gaming sessions and not having a life. Yeah, Yeah. just letting everything else in your life go. So it's hard to get good is it can you be good at that though or is it just a thing that you are be good you can only be bad you can be good at that but you're still bad yeah that's my distinction you could be obsessive over it but as a overall person yeah i'm not sure what it does yeah i'm pretty bad are you doing anything for valentine's day with the fiance yeah i took her to dinner last night and it was a murder mystery dinner somebody was murdered and we were on the case Everybody thought I was the murderer, even though I was not a part of the production because I wear a suit and I have a very dumb personality. And also the, um, the murder in question, like the theme was that it was about like critics and journalists. And then somebody at the table asked me what I did. And I was like, I'm a professional critic. And they were like, Oh, he's definitely part of it. I was like, I'm not, I was like, I swear I'm not a part of it. They still thought I was. And so there were a lot of people last night who guessed I was the murderer, even though I was not a part of the the production. Um, but it was fun. And D uh, ended up winning. She apparently solved oh. the case with the with the most um, accuracy because she took very good notes. notes. So she won. 
She got some prizes. Did you get a free and... dinner to come back and solve another one or something? Actually, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she did. She got a free dinner to come back, and then they gave her a T-shirt and a shot glass from the uh, from the store. I went through this whole dinner theater thing, and all I got was this crappy shirt. Yeah, something like that. I, I solved a murder. I don't know what it says. I got murdered over dinner. That's funny, actually. Be like, hey, you solved one of these before. All right, we'll come back, but you probably should give it about six months until we make a new investigation. Don't That's come literally back. what they said. <laughs> they're like, they're like, we change it every three months, so come back in April. And then we were like, okay. <laughs> All right. So, so apparently, I can guess your entire evening just by yeah, dude. Apparently, in the dark over here. <laughs> apparently, you should be running a murder mystery dinner business because yes. you have all the same ideas. Yes. Pretty good. Uh, no, we've done one of those. It was only okay. The one we did, it was like, it was like in a restaurant and then there was like random stuff around. Was yours kind of a smaller setting or how many were involved? Mine was, pr there were a lot of people, but the, the, the trick was that the actors were in, they were sat down like regular customers and you didn't know which one was which. So the idea was that everybody was supposed to be a suspect and then you try to piece together the clues that are given to you by detectives and you talking to other people. And then um, you're trying to figure out which of the people at dinner are actually a part of it are like legit suspects. Um, gotcha. So yeah, it was kind of interesting. Uh, and so because of that, the team was pretty small, the team of actors, but it felt like a bigger production because of that. It was okay. Yeah. I, I, I think it was fun. The, the case was, fun the uh writing was amusing it had a lot of like dumb jokes in it um the food was not great it was a hotel it was like at a hotel so the i think the food was kind of like an afterthought it was basically just for the the novelty of it yeah but, i was gonna say the food at ours wasn't anything to write home about either like my wife and i are just going to dinner but we're going to like a nice steakhouse on saturday so that'll be our better dinner last night we just yeah. literally did pizza but i made just I literally went to the store and like, if you go to a grocery store near Valentine's chocolate covered strawberries are everywhere. But when you look at yeah. the strawberries themselves, they are, they're all the ones that look like they're almost like white. So they look like crappy yeah. strawberries. I mean, at least in Texas, you never know where produce is coming from, but I went through at least the produce section, found some real Ghirardelle and I just dipped some at home and they turned out a lot better. I think so. Nice. Cool. Covered strawberries, just a simple uh, pizza just around here. It was a place we hadn't tried. So we talked about that. You get laid? Really? Well, it's Valentine's Day. It's a related <laughs> question. Is it not? Is it not related? I mean, it's not related, a... but that's usually not something we talk about on the show. So. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, is, does the phrasing matter? If I say, did you make love? Does that, that the phrasing does not matter? That is, doesn't change that it is, at all? No. Doesn't change it? Is, okay. All right. Well, good to know. Look, I don't know the rules. Nobody taught me protocol. I was raised by wolves. All right. I don't know what you're allowed to ask. I'm just... I'm just a guy out here asking questions. I just tend to keep those. That is the tamest way Travis could have asked it. That's that was that was chat right See? there. I did it really casually, and I was hoping that What's you would that? slip through an answer before you noticed what I was asking. No, that was my hope. You'd be like, "Are you, you trying, like, to, are you trying to be like, like the yeah. how I met your like the lawyer?" But like, <laughs> ask him this question. This one. All right, this one. Ask him fast. Did you get laid? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to. Oh, yeah, I was hoping you'd slip through an answer, and then we'd get a little uh, Ibanta scoop. But turns out. He's a pretty private guy, people, even though he's a streamer stuff. You know, try to keep, I, that's the balance. I try and keep some stuff private. So it's just kind of how some of that goes. Oh, man. I'll let it all out. 
Describe it in grotesque detail. I don't think we're on YouTube anymore when that happens. I think we're on. That's we got viewers want. Uh, if you guys want to move the entire podcast over to OnlyFans, we can talk about stuff <laughs> over there. But that's a different subscription method. You have only, an OnlyFans? No. Real question. I have an OnlyCalves, just not OnlyFans. You don't have OnlyFans because no. some some Destiny creators have OnlyFans. I'm sure they do. We know one of them. You had him on the show. Uh, IRL Titan. He made an OnlyFans. Oh, he finally did. I I honestly yeah. wondered if he finally did. He, I feel like he joked he about did. it when we had him on a long time ago. I think he actually did because I saw him promoting it on Twitter and I was oh. like, good for him, man. Yeah, I mean, there's good a few him. that I've seen. Um, a few yeah. that you subscribe to. Oh, yeah. Makes sense. There's a few content creators I've seen be like, hey, if you want to see the <laughs> other side of my stuff, go to this Twitter account. And it's like, oh, OK, that's that's over there. There's enough random yeah. stupid people that follow you on Twitter. Once you're at a certain size, you're like, oh, look, somebody I've never heard of following me on Twitter. Yeah. And you have one follower. And yeah, it's just all BS. I know. That's... By the way, Fastest Chicken had a better idea. I should have asked how your loot drops were on Valentine's Day. I feel like that would have got me an answer. How were your loot drops? My loot drops. They were, they were, they were say I got an exotic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. What about you? Did you have good loot drops on Valentine's since you're an open I had book? great, dude. Every day. Great loot drops every great day. Loot drops every day. And out of 10, you know, I do. I mean, are you Hard going, are you going hunting for loot alone or co-op? I mean, that's, that's the question. Um, for me, it's really, um, it's yeah, really, you don't have to answer this. This is why I'm going to call it, I'm going to call it, far. I'm going to call it big team battle. Let's just call it that the way I go. <laughs> Please don't. Please don't call it that. <laughs> 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 I do believe I'm going to have to mark this podcast explicit, possibly, just in case to be safe. Um, like a Tupac album. I like it. Uh, something. Yeah. Well, so Valentine's dinner now, dinner later, all that stuff. Um, sadly, we all had a you, me, Cog, all of us had a rough Sunday. Sunday. It was a good game, but I will tell you the end of it was just kind of sucked. Uh, um yeah, it, I mean, the way it ended was brutal, but both teams played great. That extra point, I'm going to lose sleep over uh -oh. for sure. Um, I mean, but, it was uh, at least blocked and not missed. So that's one where, yes, like, that's one of those two. It was the, it was, well, he, he didn't have to kick it that low. He could have kicked it way more, way more yeah. vertical because he was so close. But I mean, it's like, that's, I, I heard it somebody somewhere. I can't remember who said it. it's like, it never comes down to one single play. Now, granted, yeah. Like, it's, it's always because a combination it, of they, they would have they would have run they would have run for it instead of doing a field goal and maybe got a touchdown maybe it wouldn't even have gone into right. overtime. Well, I mean that uh, would be the other thing is if yeah. they deferred since both teams actually have a chance at it, they would have known what they would have needed to do and then defense could have changed. But also they said the defense needed a break because they were just on the field, so they may have scored anyway. Yeah, they did. They it's, did need a break. So like it's you a could whole. Tell they were getting worn down. Yeah. Also, I mean, both so teams injuries. fought really hard, and it was man losing yeah. Greenlaw so early that sucked. That. Because him yeah. and Warner in the middle would have been one of them probably would have had a better eye on Mahomes who started just booking it up the field. But yeah, unfortunately, Mahomes and then, is a goat. If you're going to lose to someone, lose to them. Yeah, and, I was going to uh, say Mahomes. I honestly, our our legacy. draft setup is so damn good for next year. I honestly think we're, I think we're we're probably going to go to a Super Bowl again. Hopefully, we'll win it this time. Yeah. Uh, I just want to break I'll just be curious salary then. cap wise if they can keep a lot of the players that they need to. I'll be curious if we lose any with salary cap issues. That's the only thing I heard might be might be a problem. Mm. But uh, I mean, halftime was good. Isn't, game was close. Isn't Purdy still like the lowest paid 
I think they've got Purdy for like two more years at the most ridiculously cheap contract ever. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, um, crazy. Yep. So, got a long time until that, and for KU, my uh, Jayhawks in basketball seem to have definitely ups and downs. So, I don't have a whole lot of hope for them in the NCAA March Madness stuff, but. They won the whole damn thing last year or two ago, so I think they've probably had their due for a little while. But yeah, we've been playing a lot of games. I think the first one we should start out with chronologically is where the week actually started, is Banishers. And Banishers. We both it's been dropped... a few weeks since I played that game, but I will you, try to remember. Yeah, uh, yeah. mine was a little fresher, but uh, yeah, so you got your code earlier. I think you were wrapping up your view by the time I was nearly starting mine. So do you want me to kind of go through a little bit of, um, I can, I can give you kind of the summary of what I, what I remember. And then I'll, I'll let, I'll fill it in with color when you tell me your more recent thoughts. But, uh, yeah, um, I gave it a seven, which means good, not great. Um, the things that are good about it is the story, the writing, the characters. Um, it usually looks pretty good. Um, and the ghost, you, you play a ghost detective in that kind of a Geralt of Rivia type character and, um, uh, the ghost detective detective stuff, like the cases you work and the mechanics for investigation are really cool. Um, the stuff that it doesn't do as well, it has the really bad story pacing that is really common in games these days, uh, where everything has to be really slow and characters whisper to each other as they walk around and uh, crawl through crevices. Uh, I also, of course, announced my new genre in the yes. games industry, crevice crawlers, which uh, is a big deal. Um, so watch my review if you have no idea what I'm talking about. But yeah, the crevice crawler genre is sure in full effect on this one. Um, and then uh, the combat is also pretty weak. Um, and usually with a game like God of War, where even if I'm annoyed by the pacing and how long it takes to tell a story that I think is not worth the uh, time that they spent on it. Um, the combat carries me through because those games are really good combat games and they can kind of keep you engaged over a long period of time. And I don't think this has that as much. It gets better as you go. You uh, start out with a really basic system and then it kind of gets more complicated and, and you can definitely have fun with it, but it, yeah. Definitely never reaches the heights or complexity. Also, the enemy variety is really, really bad. Like really bad. The whole game you're fighting like wolves, which is which really bothers me. Bothers me in all these games, actually. Um, but kind of the reason it doesn't go higher than a seven, mostly, is that it just doesn't do a whole lot new, and it doesn't do a whole lot better than I've seen it done elsewhere. And so, as you know, E, that's I'm a stickler for that. Yeah, I'm like a, I'm a show novel me something ideas. new guy. Yeah, you want I want novel ideas. I don't I don't like it when games just copy one another. And this definitely parrots its contemporaries. It feels like very much like they like the uh, kind of Sony style third person uh, two sad people whispering to each other uh, uh, story. And uh, if it you wasn't like those sad games, dad, though, they did. They did. They didn't go. Sad it wasn't dad. sad dad. It was sad <laughs> lovers, which yes. is a nice, unique twist. Um, but yeah, they they had the. Uh, they have the, they have that. So if you if you really enjoy these types of games, God of War, Plague Tale, uh, yeah, it's like it's uh, Last of Us. Yeah, it, it's, it's good. Focus at... don't nod who did Plague Tale and Life is Strange, and you can kind of yes, pair that with action combat. Mm -hmm. So it's like you've got a lot of that stuff yeah. going on. 
Yeah, yeah. So it, it just it takes from a lot of its contemporaries and it does it not as well, but it does have a unique story characters. It is a breath of fresh air in that sense. It's a new IP, which is awesome. Does a cool like alternate history thing. So I give it a seven out of 10, which at IGN means you should play this one. Uh, you know, you should buy it. You should play it. I definitely uh, recommend it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's not it's not going to change your life. It's not that sort of uh, breakthrough game or anything like that. It's fun though. I had fun with it. I'm glad I played it. Yeah. Uh, so for me, same thing. Um, and I think it's one of those that when it starts, uh, you get a feeling that they're really setting up kind of the environment where it is. I mean, you're in 1695 in the Northern North American wilds is the vague way to describe it. It seems like new England, very specifically. Um, so when you get into that like mindset and then you start seeing some of the things that are said and then they mention stuff like Puritans, the way they kind of remind you of some of the terrible ways histo- history treated a lot of different things. They actually, I think, embrace that pretty well between whether it was like war or sickness or any of those kind of things. Um, I think they did a really good job of bring, kind of like diving into that whole just environment and world time frame, I thought. Uh, as for, as for the environmental, the physicality of the environment, like how you move around the way the crevice crawler and stuff like that, that you want to say, when I was doing my review, I actually ended up being very torn between a seven and an eight because specifically it was the stories that I enjoyed. And I think if you get into these types of games, like even for me, like play tale innocence, I haven't played Requiem. So you can put a pin in that for another day, but in innocence, yeah. Um, in a sense, for me, it was definitely a stealth game, but it, again, the story was there, but it was kind of one of those that if you enjoyed the story, but the stealth, I didn't really enjoy that much. And depending on how it goes, same thing here. It's if you're going to enjoy the story and how it sits with you. For me, the, the story and the decisions, I think, were what were interesting because for the ghosts, when you did all these haunting investigations as a banisher, you're judge, jury and executioner because you get to decide what is going to happen. And you have three options. You can either blame an individual who is among the living, because to set all this up, by the way, you have Red and you have Antea. Very early on in the game, this isn't a spoiler because the previews cover this, Antea dies by, you know, unfortunate events. And then you basically run into her after you survive those bad events as a ghost. Well, banishers have one creed and it says life for the living, death for the dead. Well, as a banisher, you're not supposed to have a ghost just like hanging around. But in turn, it's also your lover and partner in life that you're trying to decide what you're going to do. And your choice is, do you want to blame these living individuals, steal their life essence to by murdering them, but use that essence eventually to bring her back? Or do you want to make, you know, just any number of decisions but eventually probably choose to ascend Antea into the afterlife and kind of leave this world peacefully. When you get to one of the early investigations in the first main air, like the dark woods, I think it's called when you get to one of them in there, it's the one I used in my review as an example. There's three different ways you can go. You have somebody who took an oath to do something who completely went against that. You have then, but they're doing it for their family. So you're like, okay, how far will you go for family? And then you have this pompous playboy turd of a dude. And then you're just like, well, this guy's eventually going to make his future fiance sick with a very terrible disease in that era. 
Or do you just try and make peace and send him off into a more happy afterlife? And you can go any of the different ways and all of them go that way. And that's just the side quest. When you get to some of the bigger ones and you get some more of the reasoning behind them, especially when you get into the main arc, the crap that they did to the main, like, antagonist or however you want to call it, the main character involved in the big story arc, the stuff that was done to her was terrible. So as you're yeah. watching all of this go along, it's like how nice you can be as mean as judgmental, benevolent, totally up to you. And I actually kind of appreciate it. There's also apparently like five endings, which I did not go look up to yeah. see what they are. Um, and it just, I kind of appreciated that. You can, you can kind of imagine how they all go though. Cause yeah. they kind of tell you, they kind of tell you right at the beginning, like, Hey, here's the different options you have and how it's going to end. Yep. Um, but just like the way the story, the combat is somebody else said this too. The combat, I think, while it was serviceable to the story to get you through it and the boss fights, the boss fights were at least kind of interesting because they didn't so much repeat themselves. They had a different kind of setup to them. I mean, they had some repetitive mechanics, but it was very di distinct looks. It's not like here's a kind of a copy and paste. The bosses were generally distinct. The combat itself, it's weird to fight a ghost as anything physical or even ghost to ghost combat, which you can do because you're punching a wisp. It's just, so there's not a whole lot of feedback to combat, which was weird to me. And that was one of those things I haven't said in my head early on was when you're slashing a sword at a spirit, what are you going to feel? What are you actually doing? Yes, you're a banisher. You have your firebane, so you can do something with that, but it's weird to just slash at a ghost and you kind of do damage to him, but it's just, it's a little odd. But I think the one thing that actually set me off a little bit, which is just one of those things you kind of have to get over where I did part of my review of recording explaining all the go over this hill or squeeze through these rocks or whatever it is, that example, there's a shelter and you come at, you squeeze through like a little wooden area and then it's in the woods area in the beginning. You squeeze out of the little shelter area and then you're here. And then there's either a, you know, like a stone thing that you can go over or there's a, another rock thing you can squeeze through over here. And you can walk over to the little stone thing, stand right in front of it, see enemies and shoot them and nothing happens. So it's just because you're not in the encounter, but you can see the enemies. You're not in combat. So they just use, it's the level design. And that's one of those where I think the level design leaning so much into, because then as soon as you get outside of there, you can squeeze through another set of rocks and go down a cave, or you can go around a corner to the left and you can kind of duck under the slow walking. So there's like five of them in one little area where I did that review. And I was like, this is probably one of the worst. Yeah, I can do some longer runs through areas, but the fact the when it was I was standing right next to the thing that you would hop over and I was out of combat and could not hurt them until I crossed over it. That was one of those. I'm going, all right, come on, because <laughs> that's one to where. And that was why for me, it's like the combat and stuff had its issues. Like I ended up enjoying the the musket reload animation. I picture like Terminator 2 when he's like on the motorcycle and he reloads it with one arm. And you're like, I don't even know if you can physically do that with a shotgun, but it's cool looking. I've never seen a musket reloaded cooler than in this game. He like just kind of throws it in and then just does like the one arm reload animation. And then you're good to go. And I'm just like running around doing that in combat. I was like, okay for a musket, but he's a merc. I'll give him this. So it was just kind of one of those fun moments. I don't know. For me, I was torn between a seven and eight for a score. And I kept trying to decide because I, I wanted to pick a number. I wasn't just going to do a seven and a half that felt like a cheap way out. I try to I try to go off the IGN score because typically there's something in those 
words that you, you guys use to describe the ratings that will somehow resonate with me. And this is one of yeah. those rare moments where I'm reading between the two and I'm really torn. But for some reason in my head, it was like, I think, and that's kind of why in my review, I showed the example that I tried not to spoil here. I showed the example and I said, hey, if you want to see an example of an investigation, this is what you're getting into. It just gets deeper and some of the stuff is a lot bigger. If you're going to like the stories, and I think for the person who enjoys the focus, the don't nod, those type of games, I think it's going to rank higher. And the combat is serviceable enough, especially if you don't do it on high difficulty, that nothing is going to like really punish you that bad to where it's going to take away from the story. But it doesn't add to it. I ended up lean. I ended up probably going like 7.51. So I ended up saying an eight to me. And mostly I think it was because for some reason saying it was good didn't quite feel right. Great felt a little weird too, but I'm like, if I have to go one way, I tipped it just a little higher because when you go through the story and you've got Antea and, and read through this and just the choices, it was kind of just a gut one on that. I was between them, but it was just kind of a gut decision at that point. It's hard to justify either way for me. So I enjoyed it. I had a good time. Um, and the fact that you can go back, you've got like combat encounters where you can kind of go through the 10 levels to unlock more stuff. If you lean into, I think you leaned into the switches. Is that what you said? The switching? I, I leaned into, um, my build was basically increase how long my cooldowns last. That's right. Take the, take the abilities that make me more powerful, but make my cooldowns for powers longer. And then take all the buffs that make me stronger when I have more powers that are in cooldown. So my cooldowns were extremely long, but when I used the power, I was the power did way more damage. Yeah. And then while I was in cooldown, I would like do, you know, 80% more damage and like all this other stuff. So I was just like a beast without powers. And then when I did use powers, they were crazy. So yeah. Kind I of think... like a just a cannon, really. DPS yeah. machine. And I think that's kind of what helped me a little. It's while the the moments of the level design especially that one example where there's just so much of it crammed together. I got used to it. I was like, yep, I'm going to shave me through another wall. But it was like, even when you're in another worldly plane, which I'll just say that without saying too much, even when you're there and I'm going, all right, does, these things don't have to be here. The shimmy around the edge or the shimmy under the rock. Like yeah. they are everywhere. If you can get past that and you can get around like combat that doesn't have the best feedback to it. I think the fact that you've got like the skills in the gear that actually can give you like builds in a game like this, I never even expected it. And I think if they just gave enough to gear options when you find different items, like I found lifesteal on one of mine. So I was, I never hardly healed at all, which was kind of crazy. Um, and then nice. paired with the skills where everything is a choice. Again, it is a game about choice. Every skill is one or the other as you go through all the skills. So it was just kind of a combination. I don't know. I think for some people, the game will resonate very well. And I think for some people, if they don't want to go through that kind of, slower story and character development it's not going to hit so i'm like i could understand a six to an eight or high, like maybe like if you get up to a nine you must just love every moment of lauren's story six to an eight i can see it either way though i tipped a little high i was like i'm like 7.51 but if i'm rounding i rounded it up because for the story i thought each one of the stories that you would investigate they were they were an interesting journey to go on just a different type of game so that's ign style uh since we switched to the 10 point system is if you are, even if you're a 7.9, that's a seven. Really? Yeah. Cause it doesn't quite become great. 
it can be really good, but that's still a seven. Okay, a that, 7. I guess that would be not an great. interesting way to phrase it. Then, like, yeah, it's... If it's if it's not great. And the reason we do that for multiple reasons: a, it's it's more accurate because you can just say in the review that you really liked it, while while also pointing out the stuff that doesn't make it great. Yeah. But also because it protects uh, the tens. Nothing's a ten unless it is a perfect ten. That's not fair. a nine point five. Yeah, those are masterpieces. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a good system, but. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's it's all opinion. All of this is subjective. Oh, my my main my main point is really none of that stuff. I liked the game just fine. It's really just that like that feeling of like knowing exactly what the game's going to be like. Yep. You know what I mean, the moment you start playing it, you like I know exactly what this game's going to be like from start to finish, and there are not really any surprises there. Yeah. So, and I haven't played as many of those as you probably have, so they're a little maybe more fresher to me. What have eyes looking? But yeah. So yeah, I yeah, mean, you didn't play Plague Tale Requiem. Yeah, I didn't do Requiem. Because that was the difference. I gave Requiem an 8, and it's because it kind of has almost the same story, or not the same story, but the same formula as this one, except the, uh, I mean, it doesn't really have to rely on combat because it is a stealth game, but the um, it had more unique stuff in it, like the rat swarms flying all over the place and all that stuff. That was just like really unique and new. That was cool. Yeah, I think that was the thing about me, is when I played Plague Tale Innocence, and maybe it's just because I appreciate the combat more. The stealth was fine in Innocence to me, but it was just kind of one of those, depending on how you handled stealth, either it wasn't that challenging or in the moments that it was, it was annoying. Stealth yeah. is not an easy thing to do well, and I get that, That's but it was the there was no... Sequel is a lot, um, a lot better in that regard. And that, might, and that might be why that justifies an 8. Yeah. But yeah. I probably so... would have also given a 7 to the original. Uh, although I don't know, seven was just so surprising to me because I really was not expecting that game to be what it was, especially when you get to the later part of the game and the game completely takes a 180. I don't Re know if you Re finished Re it, but for which one? The first one. The first one gets oh, crazy. Yeah, yeah, no, when you get to the end and kind of like the church and the tornadoes and is that is that what you're yeah, saying? Dude, yeah, it, yeah, dude, it gets crazy. It gets at first weird. you're just like, oh, it's a little weird. It takes place during the plague, and then you're like. No, this is supernatural. <laughs> Something's going on here, dude. Well, then I heard that's one thing I remember hearing from at least one or two reviews of Requiem was that it took kind of the end of the first one and just kind of kept going. It made it even crazier. Um, I don't know. It was if you if you want to play a game that has interesting choices, kind of moral gray areas, ambiguity, all that stuff, it'll you know the decisions are gonna. I would not, not a lot of people would probably make every decision the same. And I think that's always kind of a cool aspect that you can be presented a situation, depending on what your life experiences are. You may side with the, the sister who wanted to, the woman who wanted to protect her sister, or you may side with the, you know, guy over here who the doctor ended up killing her. Like there's, it all depends probably on your experience where the choices go. Um, yeah. I thought the sound design in the game, though, overall, I had like one bug where like background music played way too long at one point. Saved, came back, never happened again. Uh, but overall, just like the sound, especially of the bosses and some of the things, I thought it fit the world really well. I thought the sound was pretty good. Sound design, I love music. The, uh, puppeteer boss fight. That was that was cool. Yes. The the sound design and that arena and the creature and how they reveal it. I think that was my favorite part of the game. Mm -hmm. was cool. That was definitely a good one. And then just the final boss was boring though. It was like the same 
Yeah. I was I was expecting them to do something different. They were just like, no, just fight her twice. It's like, all right. Whatever. So that is Banishers. About 30 Ghosts minutes into of this. New Eden. Banishers. Yeah. And I it's thought the voice actors, I thought Banishers. I thought the guy we have this is funny, we had two different takes because I think I mentioned it to you before. I enjoyed Red's voice acting a little more than Antea, but for her character, hers fit, but I just enjoyed his more. And I think you actually told me you were flipped on that, right? No, I uh, I liked both of the characters and I thought their performances were good. I just thought Red was annoying because he was oh. so whiny and emotional. And I was like, <laughs> get over it. Just get over it. Yeah. But yeah, the voices all the way through. When you get to. Depends on which order you go. There's a large governor guy. Yeah. That guy. He's fit portly. his portly, Yeah, he fit his voice actor. But man, you just want to hate him so much. And it's always one of those. It's a good actor. Playing something right, I, always my prime example is Dolores Umbridge and Harry Potter, Lady in Pink. Absolutely hate her to this day, even watching the movie. And I've seen that woman in other stuff, but it's like in that movie, you want to hate her so bad. And I'm like, you did a great job acting because I hate you. And that's one of those moments. And I was like, that guy was so high on his own supply in this game. And I was just really tired of his Puritan yeah. ideologies and stuff. I'm like, dude, you suck. You're fitting, but you suck. That kind of moment. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, yep. It's an interesting one. Definitely a journey I recommend taking Same with Travis. Um, second one we do want to talk about is skull and bones. Now you've spent more time, so I will kind of do my intro lead in and I will pass it off to you. So I'll say I've taken more time. Um, I think I'm at 70 hours in skull and bones. Way more time than me. Yeah, so you can watch my review or read my review in progress on IGN now, uh, but yeah. that was after 30 hours after the beta before I had gotten my hands on the full game. Yep. I've now beaten the game. I've gotten pretty deep into the end game. Um, I am pretty much done with all the stuff I need to play. I'm probably going to still play it, though. I don't need to, but I'm probably going to still keep playing it because I'm having a good time with it. Um, but my, uh, yeah, my review in progress was basically, there's something here I think it might be good. I'm not sure how the end game is going to look, but I'm liking where, where I'm at right now. Um, and uh, basically, I think the thing everybody needs to know about this game is that it is more similar to Forza Horizon than it is to Sea of Thieves. And I think that's where people kind of get hung up because they look at this game and they go, oh, you know, it's probably going to be like Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Um and it's really not. I mean, the the ship to ship combat is almost identical to Black Flag. It's actually a much better version of what Black Fat, but Black Flag had. Um, but it um it it does it is not a pirate game in the most strict sense. It it is a ship based pirate game where you commit acts of piracy and then do illegal black market trades and stuff like that. But it's not a game where you're going to be swashbuckling or uh shooting uh blunderbusses or uh battling skeletons or anything like that you in this game you play a ship in the same way that uh you play a car in forza horizon it is a um so uh, fastest chicken is asking is it pvp exclusive or is there pvp pve aspects as well uh, it is a PVE co-op game. It has the very, very smallest pieces of PVP in it, but it is not a PVP game. 
And if you're wondering why you thought it was a PvP game, it's because when this game was announced seven years ago, it was announced as a 5v5 PvP game, like uh, For Honor, right? Another Ubisoft game that was supposed to be a, a PvP-only game. Um, and actually, actually, For Honor had a PvE aspect, but it was basically non-existent. Um, yeah, this is a this is a open world game that you can play by yourself or you can play with up to two other friends for a, a crew of three um, and you go around and you do fully ship based adventures together. Um, you raid fortresses from the coastline, you destroy other ships, um, you smuggle things and and uh, freight ferry things back and forth. Uh, you gather supplies and use them to build new ships. But the only time you actually spend any time on land is when you are in a social space where you walk around as your pirate avatar and there is no gameplay there. It's it's the same thing as Destiny, the tower. You're going to the tower and that's the only time that you're actually walking anywhere uh, is when you're at the tower. So um, it it really is like it's Forza Horizon, man. It's an open world map where you're you're going around and you're playing as a vehicle and you're performing jobs and getting things done it's just instead of races this one is piracy um and if you can get over that it's not black flag it's actually a good game it is good like i'm having fun with it playing it with friends is great one of the things about this game that is very surprising to me is that it's build crafting is like better than destinies (laughs) like you can actually build full builds in this game like they have uh, I know there's a lot of outline... ship types like you can get classes yeah. of ships that'll do some are faster, some are tankier. I yeah. know there's that kind of thing. You get classes, but then on top of that, you can build into different builds. So there's like a tank build where you make your ship really good at being immune to damage and also make yourself a bigger threat to other ships so that they target you like in an MMO. Uh, there's DPS builds where you can like do damage over time with like a fire ship or you can do an explosion ship that is all focused on making things blow up. And then you can do a support ship as well. There's ships that shoot cannons that heal other players and you can shoot mortars that create big pools of healing effect and stuff like that. And then as a team, you have to take on increasingly more difficult stuff. Um, and the end game is really the only part that seems to more or less require uh, multiplayer, but you can also just play with people out in the world like that you just encounter organically. You don't have to be rolling with them as a crew. Although I recommend rolling as a crew because it's a lot more fun. Um, but yeah, uh, really, it's just if you can get over the fact that it's a purely ship based game and that it's not Assassin's Creed, that it's a more like a Forza game. It's a lot of fun. Um, and the PvP elements that are there are pretty cool. Like I was telling Ibantus before this, um, there's like a thing in the end game where you start a black market empire and you you basically have to compete with other players to take over certain ports. And once you win a sort of contest or whatever, you gain control over that port and you can use it to automate the process of making you materials. Um, And then uh, when you go by to collect the materials from your different ports, sometimes they'll give you the currency and it's the best currency in the game. You can buy the craziest items using it. Um, You can just take it or they'll make you an offer and say, let's go double or nothing. We'll give you double the amount of currency but if you're not able to take it and deposit it at an island, a specific island that's a certain distance away, um, then you get nothing. 
right? And then it sends a whole bunch of NPC boats that are high level to go and hunt you. It like drops them on the map and like makes them look for you. And then it also puts a big banner over every other player's screen, letting them know that you are huntable and it pinpoints you on the map. And it goes, he's here, go and kill him if you want. And they're incentivized to kill you because they can take all of the coin you're carrying and then deposit it themselves and they get to keep it. Um, and I just tried that. Uh, I've done it a couple times, but this was the first time I tried it. And actually a whole bunch of players showed up. There were like six other boats hunting me uh, at a certain point. And, you know, we were killing each other and I dropped my coin and they picked it up and then I killed them and got it back and was able to deposit it. And it went on for like an hour. It was like an epic battle where I was being hunted by NPCs and also other players. And it was just kind of like a, an all out brawl. Um, and it was very, it was very fun. Um, so it's, it's got some cool stuff like that, but the PVP is basically limited to very specific little mini events. And when you're out in the world, normally there's, you can't attack other ships. You can shoot at them and it does nothing. Um, and you cannot deal from other players or do anything like that. It has a very, very specific small pockets of PVP, um, which is weird because it is a pirate game and you would think that stealing <laughs> and backstabbing would be a big part of it, but it is not a big part of it. Uh, it is mostly about cooperation and having fun with your friends. Um, so I, yeah, I think, I think the reason this game is going to struggle and it is going to struggle. Let's be honest. It's going to is because, uh, Nobody really knows what this game is. And I don't think Ubisoft advertised it well at all. I think they kind of just let people believe it was going to be Black Flag 2. Uh, and it's not that at all. Well, it if is you a followed this close, it's been pirate. in development hell for ever. Like 10 years. Know, 10 years. 10 was years. It? I was going to say like 7 or 8, but 10. 2013 is when they started working on it. Or yeah. 2014. Something the like that. But it's the been, opening it's credits been. have like 12 different studios involved. It's changed hands a bunch of times. And I think, as you said, they've settled on something pretty good. Like it give you want to do, and it's a balance of early on, it's going to be a little bit slower because you are going to shorelines. You're doing your little farming mini games where like, hey, you need certain types of wood and you also need maybe some ore to be able to level up your ship and also unlock different types of ships. So as you go along the coastline, you stop at like some trees and then you do this little like timing mini game. And that's, did the games ever change? Are they just timing mini games the whole time? Is there any variety? Uh, just hit no, the green section. Yeah, you just hit it at the right time. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's like if the early part is probably going to be slow as you work on that, but it does sound like. But when you know, even early on, because I played the open beta and the closed beta was nearly the same, you'll go out into some open water and you've got to take out a certain number of ships for the blacksmith or something like that. It's a very early quest, and then when you get into combat, you're like, okay, I'm going to go try and take on these couple of ships, but their buddies are over here. And then all of a sudden you take out a couple of those and the boarding animation, you know, everybody throws their hooks with ropes on and you kind of board them. You get extra loot by doing that. Nothing really happens because you don't actually board them. But depending on how many of those ships you tick off, you, then them, the... you just don't get to play. Yeah, you don't get to play. Combat. You just yeah. it says you boarded them and then they sink and yeah. you get their loot. Well, it, it helps you because you as you pointed out, you get more materials, but it also can uh, let you kill somebody. It's kind of like triggering an animation in a destiny an execution like where you kill them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, kill, you kill them before their health is fully gone. Yep. And also you um, you uh, you become immune while you're doing it. So yeah. it's a good way to get out of a tight spot. So, yeah. So yeah, those, but when you get into that and then all of a sudden three of those other buddies start going after you and then you're kind of trying to speed up and flank them a little bit and unload on the explosive part of their ship. 
you're like, oh, the ship, the combat actually feels pretty good. And that that's kind of one of those things that sinks in early. I don't know, like, if you got into the whole commodity trading much or if you let that go, because I saw those looks. Oh, yeah. They looked that, that, marginal, that becomes... or is that a big deal? Oh, no, it's a pretty big deal. If you find a place that is selling them for cheap and then another place that's buying that material for high, you can do crazy, crazy stuff. And then later in the game, uh, in the end game, they make that trading and routes, except for it's not the same commodities, it's black market items. That matters a ton because then you're like actually using the trade routes to connect your empire and ship things back and forth and you get bonuses. And I mean, it gets crazy. It's, it kind of has like an element of like a... Um, like city sim to it or okay, you know what i mean because yeah, you're, you're, like, you're like doing like yeah you're doing this thing where you're trying to grab certain pieces of real estate and then uh at certain trade routes and controlling supply and uh making money that way so it's just it's a, again it's it's weird that they advertised this game the way they did because i feel like it would have been a hit if they advertised it to like people who are into Sims and multiplayer games I because it just is that type of game. It's just, it's, yeah, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of one of those I haven't played as much because I've been playing something else I've been working on that I can't tell you guys about until next week. I think I can talk about, um, but yeah, Skull and Bones is a weird amount of fun. Like it's, it's goofy. It's not going to sit with everybody. Um, but I think if you want to, if you enjoy the idea of leveling up a pirate ship and using that for seafaring adventures, you can have a pretty good time. I would just yep. go into it with... Now, I will say Ubisoft shot themselves in the foot, at least in the small Twitter community, when they're like, hey, this is a quadruple A whatever. Um, terrible, I hate terrible, stupid thing to say. Yeah, I'm like, this is, this is not a... This is not a real... I mean, it looks pretty good, I will say. Like, I'm playing at 4K, 60... And you know, you can't just call it a quadruple A game because it costs you so much. Right. That's the big thing. You know what I mean? Like, I get that it costs for 10 years. It costs you 200 million and you're never going to make that money back. Agreed. But you can't just call it a trip, a quadruple A game because of that. It's still, yeah, it's not. If there's, if anything, if cost is what makes it a trip, a quadruple A game, then this still isn't a quadruple A game because I think like Halo Infinite costs about that much or something. It might have been more. Um, And like Grand Theft Auto is way more how much is grand theft auto oh the new one they, six? they gave I, the numbers grand theft auto six they gave a number it was probably like a, a billion dollar budget. budget i would not be surprised i mean I think it was a couple hundred million but it was i think it was easily more than this game it certainly will be by the time it came out well i mean if you picture that what is the rumors that spider-man 2 was 250 or 3 million and this they've had 10 years to sit there and work on online and then between there they made red dead 2 and then for six or seven years, they've been making this game, but I don't know how big their studios and they have just been printing money for so long. So it could be half a billion, easily one of the more expensive things, pieces of entertainment that's ever been created. I would imagine at least for Grand Theft Auto 6. Grand Theft Auto 6 is one of the few things that I would consider probably calling a quadruple A just due to its size, scale, budget, fidelity. I mean, everything in that is just going to be really, really high marks and, you know. Which b- game? GTA six. That's oh, about yeah. the only thing I would consider at this point. If they said it, I would be like, oh, okay, I'll give it to yeah. him. I don't really, I still don't really know what the purpose of saying that is, no. but fine. I'll give it I, to well, him. I think yeah. the other fun thing, and it's again, a rumor they heard, but it's like, what if Grand Theft Auto six comes out and they're like, Hey, the base price level is a hundred dollars. So the uh, CEO of 
I think Take Two yeah. said something to that effect, and everybody freaked out. But I honestly just interpreted that. And if you if you look at the transcript or hear the way he said it, it's pretty obvious that he was just like speculating. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, games are too cheap because we provide so much value. He wasn't actually proposing right. like, yeah, we're going to charge you bucks. But also they don't have to charge $100 for Grand Theft Auto because you will pay 500 for that game. That's what I mean. It's like if they just said, hey, instead of $70, we know you guys are going to play this game for, I just, I'm, I would, they're the only ones who could get away with something like that. Even if they were like, hey, the base game is 80. If they were just like, hey, this was bigger, this was. But what I mean by they don't have to because you will pay 500. I mean, you will literally pay 500 regardless because GTA Online. That's well, the why they don't have to part, charge you. Yeah, more. that's fair. They don't have to charge you for the base game because you're going to buy so many of those damn shark cards that, you know, they don't need to charge you yeah. a crazy amount. They'll make it later as long as they do it right. Yeah. They'll make but it yeah. back in the. They're still like the number, like they make more they money like every five month. Five million like copies of GTA Five in the past like month or quarter. Yeah, or like I, I, it's it's regularly one of the uh, best selling games on Xbox's storefront, like yeah. every month, and it's now since twenty thirteen. So. Still, yeah, that that game is that game. I think game they're at one hundred and ninety five million copies, which is something ridiculous. It's been on sale. It's been yeah. so many different places, but. Yeah, that I think was crazy. It's the second best song game ever, something like that. It's on the list. 195 million. The only thing that might have beaten it's what Tetris, maybe. Minecraft, I think, is up there. Oh, that might be up um, there too. Yeah, Tetris is only on there if you count all platforms. Um, yeah, which I think you might have to for uh, GTA as yeah, well. Yeah, because it's been on PS3 and onward, so it's been. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, back to Skull and Bones combat check out some video reviews get a feel for it it might be one if you don't want to jump into now i will say them not putting it on steam and having it only on ubisoft connect is again not doing themselves any favors number one is minecraft so you were right on the money about gta 5 195 million guess how many minecraft is sold 200 million 500 million no that's way too much 275 million close 300 million a lot that thing's on like they're, they're, that thing's they're above, on refrigerators they're above and phones they're above gta by 50 percent. yeah that's wild that's that's wild but minecraft and has Tetris been right cheap that. and everywhere it's been on phones and refrigerators damn near like skyrim has been grand theft auto has been a live service game that people have been paying money into for the past decade they had different different financial success i'd be, I'd be willing to bet anything that Actually, I don't. I don't think I'm comfortable making that bet. I was going to say I'd be willing to bet you GTA Five has made more money, but now that I think about uh, it, I bet it has. I bet it has. I don't know because now I'm thinking about all the stuff that Minecraft does with its community. Like, there's a whole industry behind Minecraft now that I'm thinking well, about it. But there's not like the live service, the shark cards. There's no general support if you there buy is. Minecraft. No, there is. But like, what are you buying? My, You're not my, like, my boy skins. hasn't played Minecraft in a long no, time. No, I haven't. But I'm my, asking, is there, are there like Minecraft skins has, and stuff uh, you're paying for? Minecraft has this thing called Minecraft Marketplace where it's not just skins, but user created content. It's basically like Roblox uh, and people make entire campaigns in it. Like people made a Dungeons and Dragons campaign where you play through an entire like RPG story in Minecraft and you buy the D&D campaign for like five bucks or something like that. But they have a ton of those. And like Ivantis, when I say that there's a lot on there i can i like it's in, unfathomable how much is on there it's unbelievable okay, those are the two so, pinnacles of gaming success yeah then. they both have, yeah that's it. 
I, I, yeah, we would have to get financials, which we'll never see all the details on. But yeah, they both made plenty of money. And then Wii Sports is always number four after Tetris. Well, yeah, because the Wii has so many was packing. Yeah, it's yeah, I think it's cheating. It's it's bundled. But I will say also, I think one of the biggest populations of humans has probably experienced Wii Sports versus everything else. True, you might have bought GTA a couple of times over the course of generations and paid shark cards as a single individual. I think Wii Sports might have had the biggest population experience because it was you who bought it and then probably your grandmother and your parents who played it too it's like a really wide experience for Wii Sports so it's like while the pack-in is kind of a thing it needs a little bit of credit Wii Bowling still goaded absolutely Wii Bowling is awesome I love the I think it was Wii Sports was the second one anyway when you got to like the big when you had to hit 100 pins and it got to the big bowling games those were a blast. Yeah. Like the normal bowling was fun. But then when I found like the 11 pins and 22 and 30, and when it got to be the bigger and bigger sets, those were actually really fun to go against. No, we bowling's cool. a blast. But yeah. Ubisoft, they just, yeah. Poor marketing pricing is probably not where it needs to be. It's only on Ubisoft connect on PC. It's not on steam, which it should be. Um, They're just, yeah, they've done, they could have given themselves a better chance with some better marketing decisions. I think overall, but yeah, that's unfortunately going to make their losses probably more than they wish they were on their quadruple A game. But then they say words like that and you're like, you're not helping yourself. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Uh, single tier well i hope skull and bones does good because they have a full year of live service planned out and it is pretty robust plan and uh i hope the game is successful i mean i have a feeling it's not going to do great but uh um i hope it does because i'm I'm really enjoying it yeah it had to come out eventually because the singaporean government said hey we're going to fund your game and you eventually have to make apparently yep Apparently that was the one that it seems to be. It's like it probably as many delays as it went through. That's the, I think the only reason it came out because they've canceled way too many things for it to still yeah. make it across the finish. Line. Everyone in Singapore gets one copy government yeah. mandate. There you go. It's going to have a massive install base. Yep. So the third game that we've been playing, at least amongst other things has been Helldivers. Yes. Now Helldivers is it is Starship Troopers the game, but in all the best ways that you could think of. The opening cinematic to intro you, you into the game, the little things when you have to like reload or heal yourself. It's like, oh, I'm injecting myself with democracy. It's just, it is all ridiculously over the top. But then when you start getting into the loop of combat and you see the visuals, 
while it has some issues, it definitely had some launch issues with servers. I've had a couple of crashes uh, so far. It is a fun one, and it's got a lot. I think I'm guessing they're probably going to add a whole other like enemy race on somewhere on that pla on the whole radar at some point that you're going to be going against. Do what? You play Helldivers one? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I forget the name of it, but yeah, there was a third. So yeah. Um, but so far. As soon as you just start your first assault rifle and you start shooting, you're like, oh, this feels good. And then the destruction of the bugs and throwing a grenade and then calling down an orbital strike and just seeing all the different things you can do in this kind of goofy game. And what is it? $40 for the base. 60 if you want your bonus pack, but it's not required. It has some benefits, but it's not required. The so $40, uh, it's on PlayStation and Steam. And I think it cracked over 200,000 concurrent pretty early on. And when you start playing it, you kind of see why. It is just fun. And I think the co-op, while you can definitely kill your buddies, the co-op is easy enough to get into that it works for me. That was the biggest thing is I was like, I don't I was like, I wanted to try some stuff solo, but I know it's gonna be better as a group because you got more people helping and you could have some sentries, but then you get into you know, different loadouts that people can use. And as you jump into co-op, it was pretty seamless. And I was pleasantly surprised. Um, but yeah, Starship Troopers, the game. So far, I've had bugs. And then I know there are automatons, which are going to be your robot enemies, different weapons with armor and stuff to attack each. But how much have you played or have you had a chance to jump into it that much? Yeah, I've played a bunch. I'm making guides for IGN for it. So um, yeah, uh, I previewed this game before it was out. Um, and uh, have now played a whole bunch of it uh, out in the wild. Um, I really like it. It's got, obviously, I love comedy games, and it's very much got a very silly, satirical perspective, which I think is great. Um, it's super fun. Killing your friends in accident is great. Um, my main concern remains what it was uh, when I previewed it, which is that I, I don't know that there's much meat on the bone, and I feel like uh, it's going to be one of those games that rises and falls really quickly uh and its fall will probably be as quick as its rise um and the reason i feel that way is because when i talked to the creator um at the sony studio i asked him about his live service plans and he told me that they are definitely going to be supporting the game that it's live service it has season passes but that they don't have any hard live service uh follow-up content drops planned right now and that they're going to kind of wait for the community and see what the community wants and then build from there, which is a nice uh, sentiment, but also but you're behind the curve already way behind the curve. Yeah. And I was saying this, um, I was saying this like a couple days before the game came out and then it came out and then almost immediately uh, their company tweeted that they're doing a hiring yeah, spree. I thought because I saw they, that. Yeah. Because they need to wrap up. And I literally saw that news and I said, I told you like out loud to no one. I said, I told you uh, because yeah, they, they immediately found themselves in a situation where they need to create content quickly. Uh, and they are, they're, they're going to try to do that. And I, obviously we've seen this before every live service game that has been a hit has dealt with this when they weren't prepared. They've tried to, hire to create something as quickly as possible and it never works out uh they miss deadlines and then eventually the uh the game starts to 
lose its momentum. And so I'm worried that that'll happen to Helldivers because the foundation's awesome, but with only two factions and a, and like a handful of procedurally generated objective areas, I yeah. just don't know that it's going to have legs, unfortunately. Um, and that's too bad because I really like the the foundation they have. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been playing it a lot. Um, I'm trying to get D to play it with me because we both love Earth Defense Force. And in a weird way, this feels like the spiritual successor to EDF um, just because it's like a super over-the-top dumb bug killing game um but yeah I, I really love it yeah it's i've played a little less than you but i've been jumping in a lot in the last couple of days and as you get into un starting to unlock a couple early unlocks start to make a difference then you see that you've got the ship upgrades you've got the different stratagems then you can check out armor that's going to start to make a difference then you get a booster that you can use little things start adding up and then you feel quickly more effective especially depending on if you're playing with a group or you need to set things up and then you get thrown a new enemy type and you've got to kind of throw a wrench into things. Uh, I like, I think I heard somebody say it, but it was the idea that when you crank up difficulty, you've got more varieties of enemies and things coming at you as opposed to just spongy or tanky enemies. They give you a different variation of how things scale, which is appreciated because it doesn't always have to be, yeah. hey, turn into bullet sponge equals higher difficulty. It's like, Okay, well, you get more varieties of enemies that you have to take on at the same time. So you got to have different loadouts, kind of some coordination, different stratagems to take out the big things versus the small things. Yeah, if they're wearing armor and they're just completely invulnerable until you, you know, get a uh, recoilless rifle through them. That's yeah. a that's really cool. So it's that idea is where I think they do have a good. And again, they're starting small at like forty bucks. So if people jump in, have fun for twenty hours or so, and they say, "Hey, this is cool." Hopefully, they get more later. That's the hard part, though, I think nowadays, too. I think you said it right, is it's cheaper. So I think people will feel better about spending $40, jumping in for 20 to 30 hours and be like, all right, I kind of exhausted what's here. And then when they do more, it's almost like they need to re-release it on stuff like this. If it's got some success to say, hey, come back. You know, they looks like they've got kind of a season pass in there when you buy the deluxe like I did. It's got the yeah. season pass. But then is there enough in the basic season pass like that for a couple weapons and armor to give you anything fresh to make you come back outside of new factions yeah. or new things that they're going to need a bigger or, or influx of content you, uh, even if you like the season pass grind just the the loop of having to go to the same handful of biomes and planets to yeah. just do the same objectives because uh even during my preview i mean we played for three hours there and by the end we were sort of looking around like okay we are we just are we going to keep doing this because it, it is weird that there's no story yeah, it's there's weird. there's weird. not much yeah. of a story. There's a preview. You are hell divers, and that is it. Yeah. Liberate democracy. It's weird. It's weird that it's miss missing the third faction. Um, you know, there's just a few things. Seven years in development. I kind of expected there to be a little more meat on the bone. But the good news is, even though the portions are small, food tastes great. <laughs> I like that. Kind of a a good way to phrase that. On the other side, well, I was going to say, like in comparison to you know, a game trying to be live service and stuff like that. You've got Suicide Squad right now, which I think peaked. I saw Tassie tweeted it peaked at 24 hours of a total of 2000 people playing it in 24 hours, which is not good. Womp womp. Not for not for Rocksteady's big venture into live service. And, oh, there's going to be the Joker thing. And I think that's the way it looks right now is, I mean, this is I think that peaked at like 13,000. Or, you know, big $70 or $100 if you bought the early access or however much that whole thing was, depending on what you paid. 
And then you turn around and see that, hey, they're going to do a Joker thing. But they peaked at, you know, almost the 20th, not quite, but, you know, like a 15th of what Helldivers did. And Helldivers, this is fun, goofy experience that was, I don't know if it's cheaper to make if it had a seven year development cycle. That sounds like a long time, but that sounds like they tried something and then probably tried something else in those seven years because that's a long time to put into what we have right now. But yeah, it's yep. uh, Suicide Squad. We got Squad. a couple live service games and they've all got unique problems. Yeah. Uh, Helldivers is a hit and doesn't have a roadmap or content pipeline. Uh, and then Skull and Bones and uh, Suicide Squad both are not hits, seemingly, but they uh, they have really, really in-depth content roadmaps planned out, yep. especially Skull and Bones. But yeah, yeah. it's very interesting because... Uh, People looking from the outside who just don't know anything about live service, they just think, oh, live service game's bad. Um, and that's certainly sometimes true. But really, the the thing that we're seeing in real time is that live service hard. And yeah. sometimes uh, if you don't if you don't have the roadmap planned, you're probably not going to last very long. And even if you do have the roadmap planned, if your foundation is not good, if it doesn't catch on, you're kind of screwed. And uh, and then we ha- we have over in the corner. Diablo four doing seemingly both of those things well and being a very successful live service game. So um, it's interesting seeing the stuff go down. Yeah. Somebody should hire me as a consultant. Weird. I know so much about that stuff. Yeah, it's, it's a hard recipe to replicate as Prescott said, because yeah, trying to get all the ingredients in and then keep baking new different cakes and flavors. It's like the crumble cookies of, of live service games. They got new flavors yeah. enticing you to keep coming back make something fresh. So there's like, I've seen that one before. No, and if you destiny players are wondering, well, destiny survived. So it must've done both of those things, right? No, it didn't. I would say uh destiny was actually closer to, it kind of wasn't hell divers or suicide squad because it wasn't a huge success right at the beginning. It kind of, I mean, it had a foundation. It was a bungee game. Um, but it, it also didn't have a content road pipeline. And so the difference is when destiny made those mistakes, it did it before destiny existed and before Fortnite existed and before, you know, Anthem all the live division and all of that yeah. stuff. Is, if you, if you make those mistakes today, you will burn real fast. Yeah, destiny and, uh, couldn't launch today in the way it launched before it would die. No, no, no. It, yeah. Destiny wouldn't have lasted six months if it, if it launched the way D one did. And everybody's still competing. You said it. Everybody's still competing against Fortnite. That is still the biggest live service out there, without a question. Giant audience. I don't know. If, kids of all, I don't I mean, know if it's all direct, ages. Though. I don't know if it's a direct competition because they are. I put them in a little section called the PvP uh, multiplayer games, and yeah. even within that, there's kind of a battle royale thing. And the difference there is that the expectation on how much content is going to come out, and what type of content is going to be and how frequently is way different. It's like all cosmetics. It's like one map a year, basically. Yep. It's like in uh, those games are easy to maintain, but even those fail. I mean, knockout city, they, their content pipeline wasn't enough. And they're, they were competing for a very similar audience of Fortnite in terms of it's a cartoon game where it's PVP only. Um, and I think that's, that's the big problem there. But uh, I, I don't think that any of the examples we're talking about are really direct competitors. Cause I think Helldivers is a very specific, different audience i think suicide squad's a different audience i think skull and bones is a different audience those are largely not pvp games and they have a very different um goal and also a different pipeline they're more similar to diablo i think 
mm. in, in terms of what they have to support. But uh, yeah, it's it's interesting times, man. These poor games are going to get beat up, probably all three of them. Yeah, all in their own way. Yeah, it was like Helldivers may have a high rise and a quick fall, depending on how long people stay around. I mean, people saying, oh, Hal World's lost a lot of its player base. I was like, well, they hit 2 million. They're still hovering yeah. around 300,000. So it's like, but again, that game did not expect its success. Yeah. So that's going to be a it while. It didn't expect its success. It had absolutely no roadmap because it didn't. It, it's an early access, dude. Yeah. They, they're they still making the game. They didn't expect this to happen. Yeah. There's what a good chunk of the map that's not even done or something like that. Right. It's. Yeah. So you can't go to the final island area with the big tree. Yeah. So that's a game that people will probably spend a lot of time on and then come back to in. I feel like, I mean, they're, I mean, they made $500 million probably from all the sales that they did. Some ridiculous amount of 12 yeah. million in sales and alone. Apparently they were hiring from like cafes and stuff. So they're probably very happy with those returns. Yeah. They're going to, yeah. You hear the, that story? Yeah. No, the, yeah, mm-hmm. some cafe or what, whatever he was. Yeah. I heard something like that. He, he was working yeah. like a coffee shop. He's like, like, oh yeah. He was we the need, one. We need, we need bodies. Yeah. We need somebody to make the models or something. That was that guy. So it's. Yeah, and that, I mean, and you've got a lot of D2 creators jumping around because I am actually impressed. Some Destiny 2 content creators are sticking with it. I think those are the ones who have a very established audience, your fallouts, your crosses. Yeah. Or the, the ones, audience will come with them even if they don't play yeah, Destiny. They'll just play, a, they'll put a video out and they're still going to get a good amount of views over stuff like that. But a lot of them are still banding, thinking about more second channels, understanding all of this that's coming. It's like I'm playing. Um, I was going to say for something novel, I don't know if you'll get a chance to get to it, but do you, have you seen Ultros or have you played it? Which one? Ultros. It's like the psychedelic Metroidvania, like the brightest color palette you've ever seen. No. Um, so I've actually got that one and I've, I'm playing a little bit of it and the loop is kind of interesting. I don't know if it's like the best from what I've seen so far. I think it's going to grow on me probably as I get deeper into it. Um, but just the color palette alone is kind of ridiculous because uh, it's like one of the brightest games that I've probably ever seen in it. That's one of those that I think just came out and that I don't know if it's going to get enough time to shine because um, Thaumaturgy, is that how I say it? Am I saying it wrong? Yeah, thaumaturgy. Thaumaturgy. That actually, intelligently, by the way, I want to give them credit. They moved their game. I think it was just a couple of weeks. They put it in early March. There's less in early March than there's going on right now. They're actually going to have a chance to give a little breathing room to their game. I was actually happy to see them move that one just a little bit because that's one I was hoping to get a chance to jump into, but I wasn't sure where I was going to find time because I'm also looking at Nightingale that has early access coming up very soon on the 20th. Unfortunately, they bumped theirs two days forward. Don't ask me why, but there's the on the 20th Pacific drive. I did a preview for that. I may or may not be doing more for that <laughs> on the 22nd. Nice. That one comes out. Um, that's the station wagon survival game. Um, it's this month is still just nuts though. So it's like the ones that have had success, the pal world hell divers. I'm happy to see, but if you don't have that word of mouth, steam news article success, all of a sudden like bullet and bones, or if you come out, don't get your great reviews going on. Everybody's speculative about Suicide Squad. People are going to just say, see ya. Like, it's not going to last long. 
Yeah. So it is, it's unfortunate to watch the stuff like Skull and Bones. There are probably a lot of different groups that put their hearts into certain pieces of that game. Unfortunately, it's just been through so many pieces. Rocksteady, it's just not what everybody wanted, it seems. And unfortunately, shooting guns and doing the same three missions over. That's another thing. You see a budget like that and you hear that it's like the same three missions over and over. You have to wonder, come on, how do, you, how do they not like read the room and have a little more variety? When Diablo literally had one of their seasons come out, not do great, learned some lessons, two was better, three was only okay, but then they're making quick switches. It just is, it is not easy to make games. I saw more layoffs were probably coming from Embracer, who they just, they kind of suck. They're killing everyone in the studios they touch. They it. love it. They love the layoff. Big fan, huge fan. <sighs> Xbox had their blip of a podcast today, which was nothing. There will be four games that they aren't saying what they are, but there are two games that have been out for a while. I think somebody yep. on my Discord said there were two live game or two community games and two smaller games. I think That's the spec said. So like Pentiment, Tom Warren already thinks grounded. he has an answer, which he probably is right. Yeah, Pentiment, Grounded, um, Sea of Thieves, Sea of Thieves. What was the other one? Pentiment, Grounded, Sea of Thieves, and it was another one with the community. Yeah, I think Rook was the one in my chat that's added, and I think added pretty well. Right, High Fire Rush. Yeah, it's like those all make sense. Yeah, like High Fire Rush, smaller Shadow Drop. Get it to a bigger audience that's been a year. Totally fine. I mean, that makes sense to me. If I were Xbox, I would be taking the vast majority of my games and putting them on other platforms a year later. And I would, you know, advertise that you could you could pay next to nothing if you play it on Xbox instead. I think that's the right strategy. Ninwinder in chat was just like, I want Dave the Diver to come to PlayStation. That is, isn't that coming to PS5 with like Godzilla in that like April or something? Uh, yeah, I think Dave the Diver was always going to come to PlayStation. Yeah, so that's coming to PlayStation with the Godzilla thing about a month afterwards, I think, whenever I saw that video, which I heard the first note of the Godzilla. I'm like, are they? And they did. And I was like, yes. Yeah. Dave the Diver is still one of my favorite little surprises. And I know you hyped it even before I got to it. Then when I, and then yeah. just the deeper I went into it because, it's it's a great little great little great game, game there that punches yeah. so far above its weight. Nine yeah. out of ten. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Easy yeah. But yeah, I was like, I'm I'm playing early. And that's the thing for me right now is I am trying to divide my time as one person probably a little too far. So I've got to figure out my focuses versus yeah. I'm not an IGN trying to do all the different things, but it's also kind of the wager of what game's going to hit if I spend my time reviewing exactly. something and then knowing it's like, Hey, should I, it's like hell divers is harder to get early access to. It's PlayStation. You have to be in the loop for PlayStation to be able to get early access there. I had a hunch. I asked a lot, never got anything. I was like, okay, got a chance to play banishers played that. It's not going to be that big. It's just not, it's a different type of game. There's not as much we to it. That yeah, I know. Um, and then I take something like Pacific drive or nightingale. Guessing Nightingale being a survival game is probably still going to have bigger legs than Pacific Drive ever will. So it's just trying to yeah. figure out what to, what to cover right now. It's what's going to click. What's going to click? What's going to explode? What's going to flop? My next reviews are the 1.0 release of the Outlast Trials. Is my next review? Is March. Outlast that creepy horror game? No. Yeah, but that it is. It is. Okay. Yeah, and then out. Outlast Trials are a PvP version of that, or not PvP, a multiplayer version of that where you and friends work together to escape 
different horror scenarios. And I reviewed the early access version. I can't remember what I gave it. I think it was like a six out of 10. I thought it was, I thought it was okay. Um, but that was early access. And I thought the concept was really cool. And so I'm interested to see how it actually turned out. I'm actually going to look at what I gave that. Cause I don't remember if I get what, what score I gave it. Um, but yeah, that one I'm, I'm really, I, I like coming back to games after they've had some, uh, some time to develop because I think the last game I reviewed or I didn't review it, but I played it earlier and didn't really like it. And then I went back and reviewed it was grounded and I ended up loving oh, that game. Well, yeah. I heard my game. brother played a bunch yeah. of that. You and cog both like grounded. Yeah. Feels like, it but, but when, but when, when we originally played it, yeah. When we originally played it two years earlier, not fun. It was not that good. Oh, I think I gave it a seven. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I gave it a seven. Good. Unique cooperative horror game with a lot of potential, but it's one of those early access games that's unpolished and lacking content. Pretty, pretty like normal. Yeah. So I'm interested to see. I'm interested to see if they really fleshed it out and added more stuff or what's different in the full version. And I've got to update my um, my top horror games list here. My playlist. Oh. Favorite scurry games. Wow, I put the suffering over condemned, huh? Oh, because I'm going based off of how scary they are. Okay, interesting. These lists, man. By the way, shout out to IGN playlists. Uh, it's a feature where you can uh, create your own lists and then share them out. It's oh. pretty cool. I recommend people do it, even if they're not a writer for IGN, because it's just like an easy way to keep track of your games and update them as you go and stuff like that. It's kind of just a nice little checklist for my brain. But I was like, even if you look through like popular games that have recently released and stuff, you've got Helldivers 2, Open Critic in 83. Ultros, that one's at an 81. That's that vibrant Metroidvania. Banishers, actually yeah. hit an 81. Higher than I kind of expected with your initial thoughts in mind. Um, oh that's cool 81 good yep. good for them then you've and then it's just uh persona 3 was recent i feel like part of that though part of the uh banishers getting an 81 is people just really feel i feel that people are afraid to give low scores to games that have like that tone of like it, it's slow and it's serious i feel like people are just like oh it must be good you know there's a little bit of that going on that it was it that's be. why I mean I was torn. Like for I was torn between the seven and eight. And again, if I was going after the IGN style, but for me it just felt like and that was just the gut. The gut for me was like, for whatever reason, a seven just felt low. And I was like, that's not a good way to do it for a review site, but that was my personal gut moment. Uh but I mean we already had Like a Dragon, Tekken 8, uh Grand Blue, which I saw had a hundred thousand people playing at one point. Persona 3 Reloaded. So if you're going to come out and you're going to do a Suicide Squad at a 60, or if you're going to come out and do something that's not as good right now, Enshrouded, that Enshrouded only has a 73. Wow, I feel like that one actually had a lot of success too. There's too many things right now that you have to come out and be st stellar. And I guess this is probably the last thing we can discuss since we talked about games. I was talking to you about it. Yeah. Um, so, like, from my outside perspective, not so much as tight to the industry as you are, because I know you just hear more people talking and you have, I mean, you're friends with Rebecca Valentine. She's got her ear to a whole lot of stuff, because shout she's out awesome. to uh, her. Shout out to Reb. She she's, she's, she's moving. She's moving soon. It makes me sad. Moving. She and her husband. 
they're moving. She's from Kansas City originally, oh. and they're mo- they're moving back to Kansas City. It's working uh, remote. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Shout out to her. Um, I'm gonna miss you, lady. But it's just kind of the idea of it's like I I said this to you, and I wonder. I'm like, okay, so why would some games, if you see all this stuff, and I saw Thaumaturgy actually go, hey, we're gonna bump it a couple weeks to early March. It's a little quieter than Rise of the Ronin and Dragon's Dogma Two on the same damn day. Like, at some point, can't you be like, hey? Somebody somewhere has to say now, okay, I know those are both open world RPGs, so I feel like those actually might have a little bit more of an audience overlap. One of the things you mentioned was audience overlap, and you say, hey, Fortnite isn't going to have the same audience that a Power World will. Okay, that's yeah. fair. But on the other side... Actually, that one might. I was People, like, okay, Because it's, it's got crafting. Yeah. yeah. Cra- crafting as well. Yeah. The world. I guess I just wonder Start sometimes, like... And then you got you mentioned to me, it's like, well, when, why does everything have to be February? And it's like, as soon as you get into the summer months, I'm like, but, you know, Spring March, months. April, May. If still you have to like... launch, you have to launch in the fall before the winter or during the winter because people stay indoors. This is something it took me a really long time to realize why this was happening because I live in California and we don't have seasons. <laughs> but people Fair. do not play video games during the spring and summer months because they are increasingly outside. And there's a ton of data to support that, whether it's Steam uh, play list numbers, Steam player counts, uh, and also uh, self-reporting from... Uh, games publishers and games makers about how what their engagement looks like during the off months. So yeah. you kind of have to release during the fall and winter. And interestingly, February ended up becoming the date that people chose because it was the last call on games that might sell well before the spring and summer months. And yeah. it, they, you know, they're procrastinators, just like they come out right before Black Friday. They were like, let's come out right as soon as we can responsibly put out a game and now february is ultra packed and october and november are ultra packed and that's not on accident um the only exception to that is that sometimes if you know you're not going to have a huge audience anyway it it is more beneficial to just launch when nobody else is launching anything and we saw that become a thing during the um xbox 360 generation during uh summer of games where they would intentionally have dry periods and then they would release these really small indie titles during the summer when they knew there weren't a lot of players, but because there also weren't a lot of other games coming out, they sold well. So there's definitely exceptions to that rule, but I think generally it makes sense to release a game when you think it's going to get the most players. And I get why people choose October, November, and also February because they're procrastinators. I would say if there's anything that they change, I would hope more games would start coming out in December and January uh, because a, I am selfish and I don't celebrate the holidays <laughs> and I want to work on games at that point. Um, but also because I think they'll sell better. And I think the reason they don't is because the creators are making or are, are taking breaks during that period and nobody wants to be at the office launching a game, the most stressful thing you possibly yeah, could do. Right around the holidays. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, right around the holidays. So I was like, for me, I mean, granted, you never quite know how years are going to go, but I mean, living here in Texas, this past summer was 100 degrees so much that honestly like my wife she did um she was in a musical this past year over the summer and she was like well i she got asked like short notice and hadn't done one in a while but asked like hey will you because she majored in ballet she does dance and stuff like that so she's in the ensemble but it was like well we're gonna stay inside anyway so i may as well go dance in a studio as opposed to being here but it's like for me it's like depends on the state too it's like for you you've got good weather all the time 
depending on if you have like I lived in Wisconsin, winter sucks. You're not going to go anywhere. So I understand there are people inside, but I, was, I will say like certain areas down south. I'm like, if it's 100 degrees outside constantly, not a lot of people yeah. are going outside either, because even my friends and I would go, you know, whether it's stand up paddleboard or do something at a lake and just. But if it's too damn hot to even sit out there for a while to be comfortable, that's kind of the point to where. The summer months make sense for some places, but for the average, I do totally understand the weather and the seasons and all of that. I guess my thing is to a point, there are still some gamers, some people who don't want to go outside, some people who don't want to do certain things. So there's some population, but it does feel when you have something like all of this stuff in February. And I sit there and I wonder, it's like, what if you wait till things are quieter, but you're one of the smaller ones that comes out? Do you have a better shot at things? Maybe, maybe not. And again, as you said, there's a lot of data saying not. Just from a consumer perspective, sometimes it feels like I'd like to play three different things right now, but I can only pick one. So also some stuff just gets missed because there's only so much time or so much budget. I also don't, I don't know how your winters are, but I think the general consensus is that when people spend the winter and fall, not the fall months indoors, but when they spend the winter months indoors, they're more eager to get outdoors. Um, even if the weather isn't ideal. So if you're in a place where it's like always hot, but never super cold, then it might make more sense why you have it reversed. But I think they're going for the world at large. Yeah. It's also interesting because Japan has a different release model because they're, if there's, it depends if they're selling in North America primarily, which most games target North North America because it's the biggest market in the world. Um, but if you're not targeting that, then that's why you'll see games release at like weird periods like June. And I think uh, Dragon's Dogma is an example of that. I think Dragon's Dogma is like primarily it's made by a I think it's made by a foreign studio and it's it tar- it's targeting some sort of different market or something. It's interesting. I like following this stuff, uh, but yeah, I think games will come out when they come out and I hope I have a t- chance to play them all. But you don't yeah. always, especially when you're playing Infinite Wealth, which is taking up, you know all of your life outside of reviews. Okay, so let me ask you this. Final Shape in June. Are they shooting themselves in the foot right there? No. Because it is because just, Destiny's gonna Destiny. <laughs> Destiny's gonna Destiny, and also they're selling to old but, players. Yeah, it's like a yeah. player base who's already got it. I don't think Destiny has been shooting for new players for quite a time now. Um, and so I think they're just kind of doing it whenever. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it'll impact the game too much. Yeah, summer break, and then what was Remnant was like late August, right? That was kind of yeah. getting to the end of summer. I was trying to think Diablo was, was earlier. They were, that was because they were trying to find a period that wasn't, you know, yeah, Baldur's Baldur's Gate or um, uh, what was Starfield? Yep. They're yeah, trying to find too. a period. Yeah, June June actually historically used to be the worst month for games. Um, yeah. well, that's I think it was A3. both because was all news and everything it, else. Right? It was both because no one wanted to sell it, and also because you would get almost no coverage for your game if you released it in June because of all the E3 news. But maybe that's changing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's just way too much to play right now that I want to play, and I don't even have enough time to try and cover the stuff that I want to try and cover, which is difficult because even just to try and wrap my head around a game early, or if I get it like hell divers, I'm jumping in on time. But if I was trying to finish up, it's yeah, there's not enough time for a lot of people. And some people only buy like one or two, which is fair. E3 is done. Yep. I do believe E3 is done. Done. You love summer games. It is done, have IG and summer yeah. stuff. IGN is trying to scoop, scoop E3 with our own events. So. Yeah. I saw that. I don't know what that's going to do either. We'll see. 
I mean, we've done the uh, we've done the summer of games multiple years in a yeah, row, and I guess the feedback that. from that has been that it's extremely successful. And please do more of it and make it bigger. So I think we're directly responding to fan feedback by making it a full fledged event. Also, our headquarters is still San Francisco, but our physical headquarters, the, our biggest office, is in SoCal now, uh, in LA. So yeah. I think they're. Just using it as opportunity because the San Francisco office is officially kaput, gone. Oh, because uh, NorCal is the the head of our editorial department, and as it turns out, editors don't need to work in an office. But <laughs> LA is the headquarters for our video team, and as it turns out, they do need to be. Yeah, in the you office, need a physical so. location there. Yeah, so uh, editors like me are all from home now, and then uh, people who are people who are on camera or working with cameras or video are uh, in SoCal. Yeah. Some people had to move down there. Single tier. Oof. Yeah. Well, some ups and downs to the world of Hollywood and crazy traffic and beaches. You know, there's some pluses and minuses yeah, down there. I, I'm not a big LA guy, but it's uh, it's got it's got its virtues. Yeah. Like all places. Well, at this point, if you're not having fun playing whatever you're playing, just go check out something else because there's a ton of stuff to play right now. That's the biggest thing I sure. can say is you're, you're welcome like, to play Skull and Bones with me um, yeah. if you want to be a pirate. Yeah, and I actually have a copy of Skull and Bones to give away on PC. So you will have to have PC, but I do have a copy. So I'm going to figure out some way oh, to yeah. give that away. Um since I haven't had too much interest from a couple of my friends, I asked them first and they were like, don't waste that on me. I'm like, all right, we'll find tell it. you everything you need to know about how this game is going to do. But yeah. yeah, I have the, I also have an extra PC copy that I'm supposed to be given to a buddy to help review. And the people I gave the copies to aren't playing, which sucks because I'm supposed to be getting multiplayer footage here. Um, and uh, then the Going extra copies. Like sounds right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, uh, you, you know, you give you give your friends a copy and you go, hey, can you help me with the review? And they say, yeah. But then when it's a game where they have to properly level along with you, it becomes way harder for them to actually. I was going to say, if I tried you. to play with you, I would be useless or you would be yeah. bored one or the other. Exactly. I don't feel like there's a way to there's no so, like, I think level I, scaling around each other. Yeah, I, there's I not. The, what is it? The West Indies or something that I'd have to say. You can go over to the West Indies at any point. And I'd probably you just will probably get destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, honestly, me sailing to the West Indies during the beta when I was still way underleveled ended up being the best move possible because it was definitely scary getting there and getting to a port. But then once you actually do, you're like, oh, shit. Oh, my God. I can buy all these schematics to way better ships. And you find yourself uh, in a way better ship than you should be at that point in the game. And the uh, cool thing about this game is that your, your level, your player level is 100% based on what ship you're in and what equipment you have on that ship. And so I went from level three to eight in like an hour uh, because I, I just, I got a schematic and I was able to build it. And then I put a bunch of good cannons on it and good armor. And I just got crazy, crazy high level. So it's a cool game, man. What if I become a skull and bones main? How would you view me in life? You know, if, I just, if this was my new destiny, you you could make worse choice. It's not a Suicide Squad main. I probably shouldn't say that. By the way, shout out to WB for giving me a copy of the game. And some of you guys may be mad that I haven't had a chance to jump into it yet. I've been too busy, but that ship has sailed, so to speak. Suicide Squad. Yeah. 
Well, they didn't send me a copy. I bought one and I still haven't played it. So well, either way, I asked. I, I was trying to get early access is what I was going for because servers went live on the 31st and then like it launched on the second. I was hoping right. to be able to jump in. But and then I think everybody's dump of crapping on a review initial like guides and everything came out in those first three days. So by the time I got normal access, I was like, cool. Thanks for a copy. I missed that entire preview early window to do anything. But I was also like, do I want to pay $70 when I know I'm going to get it in three days? This seems kind of dumb. Yeah. So it was, I was very, it was, yeah, very privileged decision. The there. Don't play. get me wrong, but yeah, it's still. How am I going to play this free game? Life's so hard for Ebontis. Right. First world problem for sure. But when you mm -hmm. are trying to cover the most pop, I mean, granted, now I will say I watched somebody who did have very early access and the views on their videos. Unfortunately, the ones that I've seen not doing well. So it's like, I am sorry for the person yeah. who did that. It's just like right now, the, the coverage doesn't yeah, seem worth it. I'll just see, so you know, the IGN conspiracy theorists who think we gave the game a bad score because they didn't give us a copy. We do not care who gives us a copy. And also, if you played the game, you would know that that conspiracy is pretty, pretty off because the game is apparently not that great. I have not played enough of it to really have an opinion, but. Games speak for themselves, guys. Yeah. Games speak for themselves. Well, I mean, that's kind of the thing about Starfield. IGN got, IGN supposedly crapped all over Starfield. It was like, my review scale went from a six to an eight to a seven, depending on what hour you caught me in playing on that curve. And mine was a True. journey. Mine was a journey on that. Hey, the early part, this is really slow. Is this really all I'm going to be doing? I went through all the quests. These quests are kind of cool. Voice acting, interesting choices here. Okay, choices don't have too much matter. All right, I'm repeating a lot of the same stuff, and now I'm 120 hours in, and I'm enjoying less. Like, if I would have played longer, it probably would have gone back down to a six the longer I played, I think. So, yeah. Starfield, somebody's like, Starfield is a hard six. I'm like, I think I would have landed funny. on it's a It's funny, seven, because pe pe but... people forget that that was also an IGN conspiracy theory, oh, the yeah. Starfield review. And I think anybody who's played that game for a long period now probably would have a much harder time justifying that being at all a conspiracy theory because uh, yeah. that game is controversial and you could definitely see how a reasonable mind could think it's a seven out of 10. Yeah. I think that's the, and thing I happen I to, I happen to be one of those minds, by yeah. the way, I, I think I ultimately land on a seven with that. You, game. I think I, yeah. Final score for me would be a seven. My review, I finished right after I did like some of the big story beats. It was an eight, but then like, because that's where I ended time-wise. I was like 80 hours, but then by about 120, because I was still working on guides and stuff. I'm like, oh, we're back. To, we're, we're down to a seven. So, it was, it was, it was a journey. What's my line between, what is my line between six and seven? My, yeah, so, I mean, uh, so what, I, I've, I've, recru okay, I've, right? I've recruited Ebontis to using the IGN scale because I think it's good. Um, but yeah, it's, Six is okay, which means there's a good game in there somewhere, but you have to look past a whole lot of ifs, ands, or buts. And a good is it's time well spent. It might have some issues. It's not particularly innovative, but it's a, a good game that we recommend that you play. Uh, we're just not as enthusiastic of a yes as an eight or a higher score of that nature. So, And it kind of depends on what resonates with people too, because... Hey, if you really, it was part of it too. Is like, hey, New Game Plus has some cool stuff, but you lose your ship. Yeah, you lose your ship. That I spent. I think I spent two million credits on you my did. ship. I spent a lot. You spent. We were. We, I, you were a I, shipbuilding I, guide because man. I was making. I was making guides yeah. for ship making. So all of my money and stuff was in my ship, and then I just lost everything, and I was 
deflated. I was like, I cannot believe they just took it all. Because that's not what you, New Game Plus means, by the way. No, that means carry <laughs> it over. Plus. Yeah, dude. <laughs> that is not yeah. a New Game Plus that can make me lose everything. So, well, yeah, I was like, very confused by that. Like, you have to keep your skills. I guess that's, yeah. that's okay. I mean, I know powers. Cognito really enjoyed his like Starship Enterprise with all of his crew members and stuff like that. And some people went New Game Plus or whatever i'm like sure that's fine more power to you but then when i turn around and watch Baldur's gate come out four or five days later and have that experience it right before it was a month before was it i thought it was right around yeah. or, oh no, no PC they was moved, early they moved, and they, then console moved, was yeah PC, they were playstation was right after playstation that, right? was but they the Baldur's gate moved its release date closer because of Starfield, they said that in the announcement, and then they ended up being a way bigger game than Starfield, which was hilarious because they moved out of the way for the bigger game. Yeah. Quote, unquote. Yeah. So it's like, and again, like Cog had fun doing Starship Enterprise, New Game Plus, finding all the little things. But I was like, I I saw a lot and I saw plenty. And unfortunately, I've watched the dialogue in Baldur's Gate and I watched the dialogue in Starfield. And then I even went to go back to look at the dialogue in other places. I'm going, Voice acting was well done. Like, I thought the voice acting generally in Starfield, solid. Yeah. But watching the faces, I literally just, like, looked at the subtitles and listened and just kind of had the face in my periphery. Because after a while, I got tired of that. Andresia was my one winning factor in that. I'm glad I chose to. I liked her quest. I thought her quests... Did you do her final romance? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought hers was legit. I don't know what the others were. But I thought hers was actually um, probably did, the I most Sarah impactful. Morgan's out of morbid curiosity, even though I hate her, and hers is terrible. As is the character yeah. itself. But Andresia's was actually pretty well impactful. Like, by the time you got done with hers, where I see DLC going, if anything. I have no idea, but that's... I don't know if it's going to be tied done, to that. They haven't done much with that faction in the game. They've done, like, nothing. I thought that was going to be part of it when they talk about this other faction. It was like, it's literally not they, in the game. Where is it? They did a whole lot of world building and not a ton of... I mean, Mass Effect 1 also is kind of like that. So maybe they were just planning DLC, future stuff that never came together. But yeah, yeah it is maybe. disappointing. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of games to play right now. There's some pretty good ones. There's some good ones. There's some story ones. There's some pirate ones. There's some Metroidvanias. There's some Helldivers spreading democracy. All of it's ridiculous. And if you enjoy Sweet liberty. Yeah. I forget one of the lines when I like gave myself a stim pack or something. I can't even remember what they said in that moment. There's some funny ones, but yeah, it's like, I haven't played as much of Skull of Bones as I want to. And then I'm working on two other previews and I do not, I'm running out of days. It is insane. I need I know to, that I need, I need to not sleep like you. I just, I'm not as good at that. Do it. Do it. Don't sleep, bro. Don't sleep. Bro. What do you need sleep for? Don't be a little bitch. What do you need sleep for? Well, I'm also, okay. Here's the other issue. And I will tell you guys. Shout out to Travis, anybody who is a writer. That is a very practiced skill, and that is something I am very in my early stages on. Just the process of writing, getting your thoughts out in a coherent fashion to kind of, and then to be able to go back through and do a video recording and kind of treat it like a script versus review. It's, and those are even two different types of writing styles. If you're going to do a written review versus a script and how you're going to have it verbally spoken. So it's, I, I tend to go, I try and get my thoughts out, then try and organize into just like some paragraphs that I may go verbatim, some bullet points as I still do some more free speaking and stuff. But it's, yeah, it's a whole, it's a skill. So shout out to all the people who have coherent reviews. 
Yeah, it's yeah for coherency. Woo. I mean, just you know, a general through like thought start to finish that makes sense and not making it sound like a first grade paper with introduction, three paragraphs, and a, and a conclusion. Like to have a little more to it than that, it takes some time. So it's I'm not a writer. It's never been one of my skills that I would claim to be. It's not like I was an English major or anything. So it is a and I don't know how to make videos. So I just I hand it over to a video editor. Well, I try and do it all. So jack of all trades, but master of none. <laughs> Pretty good, though. Jack of all trades to be in control of your own destiny. Would love that. Has It has some some moments, so it's fine. Best advice for writing? Barf out your thoughts. For, that's what I try and do, actually. I do try and do just like word vomit for a while until I feel like I've got something out of my brain. And it's easier to edit when it's all out of your head. I've I have tried to get better at doing it. I was like, I just need to start writing something get something on the paper and then go back and look what ideas popped out of my head. Travis, do you review all games or I don't know if there's much you won't review unless it's just something you yeah. don't play. You don't review racing games because Luke in Australia does that for you guys. I think yeah. that's probably I, the I, only one. I play, I play and I'm willing to review any game because I don't really have any genres that I don't play. Uh, there's some that I'm not as much of an expert about, but typically if I don't review that game, it's because somebody else has more interest or more expertise than I do or more seniority um, at the company and chose to do it. Seniority is mostly the reason I don't review a lot of the yeah. big games, but uh, yeah. I honestly, I like reviewing smaller games and games that are a little under the radar and games that are weird, like skull and bones that uh, those are fun, fun games. So I would be very um, curious. Your yeah. thought, have you touched Pacific drive at all? I have not. No. The demo's still out there. I would be curious. I don't know what you're in the middle of stuff, but if you get a chance, demo I think the out. demo's still out there. Yeah, after Infinite Wealth in uh, 45 years, I'll check that one out. Yeah. Good times. You guys are going to be playing Infinite Pokemon for whatever that's, Sujimon or whatever sure. that's called? Sujimon, bro. Yeah, I, uh, I, we're past most of the stupid mini games now, but yeah, God, there's a lot in that game, dude. <laughs> so much. Well, I think that covers everything I've got right now. Noise. Next week, Cog should be back. He will have talked about Love all it. of his Xbox stuff this week. The podcast that could have been an email and everything else. Um, I saw that on Twitter and after listening really, to it. He's really upset about it, yeah. To be clear, they didn't advertise it like it was the biggest announcement ever. They tried to go over the right under the radar. And if you watch the video, you now know why, because yeah. there was nothing really that they wanted to say. They were basically just there to dispel rumors, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sometimes you got to do that, I guess. Gears of War is not coming to PlayStation, unfortunately. For Halo, Halo Infinite coming to PlayStation next week. Just FYI. I'll save you guys the podcast. So. Uh, no. Yeah. Have fun out there. Enjoy the games that you're playing. Cog will be back next week. We've got a giant twid from this week, which we are saving for next week because it's sandbox stuff and Cognito likes we to talk about all that. Yeah. We'll have more, it sounds like, kind of stuff that's happening next week. They're trying to prepare for the March big patch that's going to be happening. Probably going to start talking about, I think, what is it, March or April, the into the light stuff. Oh, Riven's Wishes, by the way. If you haven't yeah. touched those yet, you did the, you did the right things you usually should have because they yeah, nerfed yeah. them and it's easier now. Yeah, the ascendant chest yeah. when it was seven that went down to three. Those weren't even hard to do. Yeah. The lost sectors, I I did it in. I think you could do it in like two lost sectors if they're on the dreaming city. So catch a dreaming city day, you'll be done in no time. 
Um, yeah, why, why do anything when you can just do it later? In Destiny. With Destiny, yeah, you've got three and a half months. Take your time. Yep. So, yeah, we'll talk about all the Destiny stuff next week, and I got a couple games that I'll be talking about next week if I can spend some time playing them, because there are two big Noise. ones. Excited to hear about them. Yeah, see if how much time I can put in them in about five days, and then two more after that. One's not as big. Well, one is definitely going to be a lot of time, though. So I'm trying to do the smaller one first. To see how that how, if I can get that one done first. Nice. So we'll see. Oh yeah, I should also mention that I um I'm reviewing South Park Snow Day, the sequel to Fractured Butthole. <laughs> so that'll be a fun one. When is that? That's uh, my next review after Outlast Trials, I think. Or maybe it's June. Maybe, I, maybe I'm maybe i wrong and I just saw it on the list, but I know that one's coming March up for Snow me. Day. Definitely a Travis game. Initial release date, March 26th. Okay. Yeah, so that so, would be probably right after Outlast. So for March, I don't have... I have not been able to find a connection to Team Ninja in all of my asking and looking mm. yet because I'm very mm. curious about Rise of the Ronin. I, I've played both Neos and loved both of those. They were very good action games. And this one looks bigger. I think the one that I might have a chance to get into is Dragon's Dogma. And I feel like I need even more time to wrap my head around that whole thing. But I hope I can get into covering that one. That's my goal is Dragon's Dogma 2. Because that actually looks fantastic from what I'm saying. So I'm hoping I get a chance to play that one. So that's something Mitch to look Wilson forward to. Like it. I'm excited to see Who? how that one turns out. Mitch Saltzman. Oh, yeah, yeah. He yeah. does a lot of those, I think. He did the IGN first for that game, and I yeah. think he really liked it. I mean, the first one's kind of a cult-like following because it wasn't ever that popular, but I know a yeah. lot of people really like it that have talked about it. And then this one seems to be just massive, open, choice, like jumping on bosses, backs like Monster Hunter, and then you've got all your different... So It just looks like a massive, massive RPG, so it looks really, really cool. But yeah, very, very hard to wrap your heads around. So. That right. one's probably going to be one I don't play until the end of the year during the holidays. Oh, when you get your big year wrap up? Yeah, yeah, that'll probably be one of those because it's just so big. And wh when the heck am I going to find the time? I mean, the way the game really schedules, wait till like May, nothing. <laughs> You'll have time in like May. We'll see. Because remember in May, I review the games for whatever comes after <laughs> May. <laughs> yeah. So I'll be reviewing what's coming out in June. We just talked about it. Destiny. Destiny. Yeah. Probably, probably not that one, but yeah. Are you not going to, re you'll review that. You have to review. Yeah, but not, day. not in June. Oh, in June. No. Yeah. 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 Cause they, they'll, that one I'll just get on, on the day it comes out. Yeah. Nothing pre, pre June. Yeah. It's like when you get yeah. to April, you've got like one or two, but it gets really light. I know Black Myth Wukong's in like August. Yep. But the summer right now for game releases, Pretty light at the moment. We'll see if anything settles into some places. But yes, right now and then the fall and then quiet summer. And we'll see if Destiny 2 keeps us busy with Destiny and episodes and other things. But yeah, I think we'll wrap up episode number 284 here. Cognito will be back next week. Travis, anything else for you on the outro? Anything you can point people to? No, not really. IGN.com for all my writing and videos. And then uh, t Twitter, if you want to hear me make stupid jokes once a week or whatever. I don't, I'm not, I'm not a big tweeter anymore. Um, but yeah, nice talking to you guys next week. We'll talk more about destiny. Indeed. So yeah, if you guys are looking for me covering as much as I can, um, YouTube is there when I can finally get some stuff to <laughs> get time to put my head around a game. But for now, 
Check out YouTube. Find me on Twitch if I do stream any of these things that I can play live. Some are live, some are not. And then, yes, Twitter will be there as well. But yes, Cog back next week. Lots of Destiny 2 and a couple other things, hopefully, as well. You guys have a good weekend. Enjoy. Be safe. Stay, you know, stay comfortable wherever you're going. And then just have some fun playing some games. But for this episode, number 284, it has been... The last word. word.